This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Christianity, following Christ, is not about our happiness here, our getting rest and me time and all of those things. It's not about that at all. Ask all those who sacrifice all that and more. They'd be fools if that was what it was about. It's not about any of that. It's about His glory. Him being revealed here through human instruments, human vessels. We carry this glory in earthen vessels and we glorify Him. We live in anticipation of the new life, of that which is to come. You know, we're so quick to become short-sighted about so many things. We see shiny objects and we say, ooh. We're like fish attracted to lures or like dogs distracted by squirrels. We so often see only what's right in front of us that we forget what our end game is. In today's message, Pastor Troy encourages us to stay on track and live the life that God intended for us, pressing on through the struggles and living like Jesus and loving like Jesus, even if and when it costs you everything. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 13 as he begins his message, A Whole New Life. We're in John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Title today is A Whole New Life. Let me open up with this. A couple of... uh, City slickers from New York decide ranching can't be all that hard. It's probably pretty easy. So let's go down there for the easy life. So they move to Texas. And they move to Texas to take on a ranch, buy some property. And uh, they don't know how to get started. So they go, well, let's go down and talk to one of our neighbors. So they finally find one. You know, it's not just next door here. And when you're on a ranch, you know, it's miles for your neighbor. <laughs> so they finally find a, a neighbor and they, hey, neighbor, um, we're... We're moving here, and the neighbor could obviously tell, these guys are not from around here. And so they said, well, we want to plow, and um, we heard that we're going to need a mule to help, and uh, that's about all we know. So um, do you have any mules or any mules for sale? And uh, the guy's like, I have no mules, fellas, that I can part with. And they're like, oh, okay, do you know where we can get a mule? Is there like a mule store or something? They said, uh, no, but realizing that they weren't from here, he decided he'd, he'd uh, pull a fast one on them. So as they, they were going to leave, and they looked over and talked to some, uh, saw some melons over there, they said, well, what are those things? I've never seen anything like that. He said, well, those are mule eggs. <laughs> mule eggs? He goes, yeah, and you know what? One time only, I'll give you a mule egg. I'll give you one. Like, wow, this is amazing, man. This is awesome. So they take the mule leg, and they go into what's become their truck now, and they left the tailgate open. You know, they're just uh, bumbling around here in the, in, the, in the ranch area. And they get in, and they start to drive away. And as they drive away, the melon falls out of the vehicle and cracks 
on the ground. Well, they're driving. They see it in the rearview mirror. So as they're turning around, a jackrabbit hops along and comes over and starts eating some of the melon just standing right there. And so they get back and they get out and they stand there and they go, look, our baby mule (laughs) right there. So they said, let's get him. And so they try to get him. Well, this jackrabbit's fast. So the jackrabbits hop in there trying to catch him and finally they just give up and they sit down. They're sweating, breathing heavy. One says, man, we just lost our free mule. The other guy thinks for a second. He goes, you know, it's okay. I don't want a mule. I don't think I want to plow that fast. (laughs) Well, these guys were very naive about ranching. And I'm going to tell you something. The disciples were very naive about the future and what was going to be taking place. They walked with Jesus, but they had no clue what was really coming. In fact, I've noticed that people are naive uh, when it comes to defining what it means or looks like to follow Jesus, to be his disciple. Many think that all you do is you just add him to your busy life. You add him to the busy, complicated life you already have, and you just add him to it. Ask him every now and then some questions. But the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This isn't in theory. It's practical. There's a sense of a a new direction in life, a sense of new priorities, new habits being developed. This is what happens. As God said, this is what happens. James, it was James who said, can someone just say, I believe? And have no life transformation, changes, no works is the way he put it. And expect that that was real? Is that a saving belief? Because the Bible clearly talks about anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. This isn't just um, a comforting word. Like, you know what? You're new now. No, it's a statement of fact. When someone is in Christ, they're new. They're not the same. Well, today Jesus introduces his disciples to the idea of this whole new life. I've heard family members say of those who've been saved, and you've been brainwashed. You're going and everything's changing. You're changing this. You're changing that. What's going on with you? You've been brainwashed. I've heard this from family members who would speak of someone who's given their life to Christ and started to follow him with all their heart. And it's because of the major changes that actually take place in their life. In a sense, they're right. Jesus does wash our brain. He renews us. And then that process goes on throughout our walk. We're constantly learning and growing and changing But the truth is this, everyone buys into something. They read this article and they buy into it. They hear this from their parents or from someone else and they buy into it and they adjust. They adjust their life to it. So people buy into something all the time. That's not new. So why not buy into the truth? That which leads to eternal life. People make changes all the time without Christ in all kinds of different directions. 
People even make changes because of church or a good sermon or whatever for a period of time, maybe even years, because of an emotional moment. But the scripture says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and the new, he says, I will begin a work that I'll finish. So, we're at the Last Supper. Judas has left the room to betray. He's the betrayer. And Jesus is speaking to the remaining genuine disciples about the very different future they are in for. This whole new life. In verse 31, we read, So when he had gone out, that is, um, Judas had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. So the first thing Jesus now begins to introduce them is this idea of having a new perspective. This is going to be not good from the human perspective, but very good from the new perspective, from his perspective. So in this whole new life, what happens to a person is they gain a whole new perspective. It's just given. It's just there. You didn't have it before, but now you do. The first thing a believer experiences is a whole new way of looking at life, one that wasn't there before. It's really hard to understand the born-again experience until you're actually born again. It's not about making drastic changes. Anyone can do that. It's about making lasting changes. They last. They're the new you. You grow. Maybe slow, maybe fast, maybe bursts of speed and and sometimes those difficult times where there's challenges and we hold, but there's still this growth pattern that happens. And you know, being born again is really the best description of it. I didn't create it. The Lord did. But it really is like being born again. You're a new you, starting to learn to walk again and, and think and talk and all of these things. When Christ comes into your life, Jesus said to Nicodemus, John 3, 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. So when we are born again, we see differently. We get convicted in situations and circumstances where we never did before. You know, it's weird where this comes from. If you weren't a Christian who had spent time with the Lord, you would go, where is this coming from? But you know where it's coming from because you remember that communion you had with the Lord. And you said, Lord, I want to be yours. Lord, save me. And he said, all right, I'm going to take this seriously. And though maybe you hadn't heard from him this clearly in maybe a couple of weeks, you go and you go to an old place that you used to go that you were never convicted of before. And all of a sudden there's this really strong voice like, oh man, like it's almost taking all the fun out of it. I remember going into a club one time after giving my life to the Lord. And for a long time, I didn't go to a club. I was going to church. I was trying, but I didn't have friends to latch on to. That's not their fault. It's, it's mine. I was using them as an excuse. 
but I was, I was trying to follow the Lord, and, and so for a long time, I didn't go to a club, and then, then I skipped church, and, and this is how it works, skipped church a couple of weeks, but I'm not going to a club still, no, guys, but then finally, a few weeks of not going to church, uh, now my polarization is back over here toward the world, and going to a club, well, you know, it's, it's all right, I'm saved, he's gracious, and so I went to a club, and um, not right away, but... Well into our evening at the club, I hear this voice, not audible, just very clearly in my heart. So, you're having fun, are you? And uh, my thought was, well, I was. (laughs) But now I don't know that I can. Something really happened. Something really changed. It wasn't like I go... Well, I can't go to clubs anymore. They're miserable for me. They're miserable. I go and it's like the Lord is there. It's miserable. I don't like them. I have changed. It's not me trying not to do things. I have changed. And so my activities and what I do has changed also. The things that I love, the things that I enjoy have changed. I didn't try to do it. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second part of today's message, so be sure to stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Building on the Solid Rock, we invite you to visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. Pastor Troy has been teaching verse by verse through the Bible, and you can listen online to our archive of these messages. You can also download each teaching to listen to later, or share with your friends and family. You can even subscribe to Building on the Solid Rock podcast through iTunes. That way, you'll never miss a teaching, and you'll be notified as soon as we make these messages available. Find a link to subscribe when you visit buildingonthesolidrock.com. Now, here's Pastor Troy with the continuation of today's message. And it happens gradually. You have those bad incidences where you're at the club, or you you go back to the old ways, and you go, this is... I don't like this anymore. And you realize it. And you move on. Some move on. They get it. They're like, man, I love this so much. I don't want that. And and they never return to certain areas. But others do. And then they taste and they go, hmm, taste and see the Lord is good. This isn't as good as I remembered, I thought. Like if the Israelites were to go, you know, they kept complaining, oh, back there in Egypt, it was so great. We had food. Well, let them go back and try the slavery that they forgot about. That wasn't all that great. God had just blessed them with a whole day off. They never had that before. He said, hey, chill out. The Sabbath, that's mine. Don't be so busy. So, you begin to see friends differently. You uh, begin to plan differently. You see church differently. You know, so, Early on or before you're even saved, it's kind of like church is almost as bad as going to the dentist. Like, oh, I got to get up tomorrow. I got to do, do it for the Lord. That's the unsaved heart. That's someone who's not grown at all. But the person who is the whole new person starts to enjoy the things of God, being around God's people, not just being around them, being involved with them. It's what we begin to desire. It's the work God does in those who are new. So in verse 31, 
As Judas is on his way to betray, Jesus speaks about being glorified. What does he mean, being glorified? Well, one, he's looking beyond the cross at his resurrection and ascension. He's looking for that. When he's back at the right hand of the Father, back in that state where he's not a human getting tired and and all of that, he's glorified again. This is the last thing that he utters from the cross. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he was glorified through this. You know, following Christ ought to give us that perspective. Looking beyond this life to what really matters, the eternal Where should our rewards be? Where should we be investing the most of our time and energy? We begin to change if we are born again, if we are the new man. So we're not focusing on the here and now as much, but we're considering and prioritizing eternity. A key to living this life well is very simple. Do things here responsibly. Don't try to collect. Don't try to gather too much. Don't try to cling so much. Just live responsibly here. Hey, there's a stop sign. Stop at the stop sign. Pay your bills. Don't amass too many of them. Pay your bills. Just be responsible and you'll shine a light in those areas. We're getting by here. That's all we need to do. But give your full attention to Christ and to that which is eternal. That's what the new man does. Two, so one, Jesus was looking beyond the cross at the resurrection and ascension, beyond this life. He's not just looking beyond this life. He is also looking at the cross because the cross does something. Why would the cross be seen as glorious, the glory? Not because of the pain. It's not a glorious pain. There's nothing glorious about the pain. It's because of the gain. What this will do, it will be the hinge. The cross will be the hinge. He called himself the door, the hinge that the door hangs upon. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. See, Jesus had to suffer. God is perfect, right? But as a Savior, he wasn't. He couldn't be perfect as a Savior because a Savior had to be one of us. He had to experience everything like So until Jesus put on flesh and died a human death through all of its pain and humiliation, he wasn't perfect to save. He was perfect to qualify as Savior, but he couldn't save. And so he became one of us, represented us, our high priest. And on our behalf, he went to the cross and he died, being made perfect through sufferings. Jesus sees you as worthy of going to the cross. You are worthy. You're worth it. Put it that way. Part of the joy that was set before him was knowing uh, you'd be part of heaven. And not only that, but seeing your reaction to the goodness of God on that day of salvation, or in the things that he does in your life, or especially when we go to heaven and we go, it's over, we're here. 
And his joy, yes, well done, good and faithful servant. We're here. Oh, did I really do that good? No, but you're here. Well done. As followers of Christ, we need to embrace this new perspective. See, it's not really about my happiness here. Christianity following Christ is not about our happiness here are getting rest and me time and all of those things. It's not about that at all. Ask all those who sacrifice all that more. They'd be fools if that was what it was about. It's not about any of that. It's about His glory. Him being revealed here through human instruments, human vessels. We carry this glory in earthen vessels. And we glorify Him. We live in anticipation of the new life, of that which is to come. Let me read a a convicting quote by uh, Calvin Miller. He said, Many Christians are only Christaholics and not disciples, not true disciples. Disciples are cross-bearers. They seek Christ. Christaholics seek happiness. Disciples dare to discipline themselves and the demands they place on themselves leave them enjoying the happiness of their growth. Christaholics are escapists looking for a short cut to nirvana like drug addicts. They're trying to bail out of their depressing world. Christ is not a happiness capsule. He's the way to the Father. But the way to the Father is not a carnival ride in which we sit and do nothing while we're whisked through various spiritual sensations. When Jesus was leaving, he was leaving his disciples on a tough mission. And he was being very direct and serious with them. So Jesus announces his departure, speaks of his glory, and offers a new perspective for them to have because they need it for what's coming. Look at verse 33. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, remember he told that to the Jews, hey, I'm going away, where I'm going, you can't come. They're like, where, where is he going that we can't come? Does he think he's better than us, you know? Well, now he's telling his disciples, look, now I'm going, and I want you to know you can't come right now. I'm going away. You're not going to follow me here. Not right now. And so what he's doing is he's introducing them to this idea of a new relationship. See, the new man has a new relationship. What this whole new life means for the disciples is that they're going to have a new relationship with Christ unlike it's been up to this point. Up to this point, they've walked with Christ, right? They've seen him. When he laughed, they knew he laughed. They could see him laugh from a distance. And so he was there. But this, it's all going to change. You know, we often tell others, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship, right? We say that all the time because it's true. And you have to admit, it's a very different kind of relationship. Hard to understand if you don't have it. It's different than with, with anyone else. With a person, you sit at the table, you talk to them, you get feedback, even if it's just their demeanor, you know, their tone of voice or something like that comes back. And there's communication going on. But now, in this new relationship with him, there's not really tone of voice. I mean, there's no audible. It's different. It's unique. It's going to be very different. 
See, the disciples had all that with Jesus, personal relationship, physical touch, but it was all going to change. The relationship would be new. Jesus speaking about his crucifixion and the resurrection where he would go to heaven, and obviously they cannot follow him there. And he says, I will be with you a little while longer. I mean, I'm going to be here a little bit longer. In fact, he'll be here even longer than that when he's raised. He'll, he'll be around for a little bit. But they just don't know how little bit. They don't know tonight things will change. Their relationship will not be with the same from tonight going forward. Pastor Troy has been teaching through the Gospel of John here on Building on the Solid Rock. Different than other gospel books, John introduces his book by going further back than when Jesus was born as a baby. He delved into the very nature of God and solidified throughout his writing that Jesus was the Son of God. This backdrop gives you a different insight into Jesus as a man as he lived here on earth. It's no wonder that the book of John includes so many miracles, because it's evidence that only God could do such things. If you're curious to hear more of the teachings from this book, visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can listen online or download the message to share with others. If you've been encouraged by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email through our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Troy next time as he continues in the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in.